Welcome to His Style, Her View. This episode is all about technology, digital connectivity. You're making these connections and having these opportunities you've never had before, but it's also led to a disconnect, obviously, with everything that's happened in the past year or so. So I just wanted to dive in a little bit how guys out there can actually connect in what seems like socially disconnected world. And I have none other than my cousin, Chris, who's going to tell a little bit about himself and he is the master. So Chris, tell everyone what you do, who you are. I'm so excited you're doing this. What are you most excited about with this podcast? I have so much to say. I've had to break down these episodes even further because I realized that I have to go into each one more detailed. I like it. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're doing this. Yeah, my name's Chris. I'm uh, Julia's cousin. That's all I'm known for, really. But no, I'm calling in from New York City. I've lived here for about 10 years. I am a former lonely guy who grew up always the last one called to the party. My invite was always somehow lost in the mail. Everybody always used to forget about me. And why that's important for this episode topic is that that sense of being left out led me down a deep, dark road of suicide, depression, jail, rehab. And I didn't like going there. I watched a TED Talk one time that was put on by a guy named Johan Hari who once said, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's human connection. And I was lucky enough to find that. I was lucky enough to be able to build a couple companies in my days. Everything from show yeah, just, business. Just yeah. some little just some little things here and there, Chris. Yeah, being just, uh, being humble. Yeah, we've had a fun time. We've we've used the dinner table to spark over five hundred thousand relationships in the last five years with the sole connect uh, the sole point of helping people become a little bit less lonely and a little bit more humanly connected. And, and, more, so really, and more and more full on pasta. Exactly. <laughs> so no vegan or gluten-free stuff allowed, just full on Italian pasta. So I'm really honored to be here today. Oh, of course. You. I'll never forget. I, I went with my brother and his fiance, Jess, to your apartment with Molly. And oh, yeah. it, it was really a great experience to just kind of network and not even uh-huh. network, but connect with different people. Everyone of every, it was so many different ages there and it was really cool. And it's really unique for, I think the time that we're in that mm-hmm. you are able to get people to actually connect. Yeah. I mean, the good news is people, they don't really want to connect with you when you're riding high and achieving great things and pretending like life's perfect bullshit. That's not where you make good friends. It's when you're going through trauma and you look to the left and you look to the right and you realize you got a lot more in common with other people than you thought. And then if you support each other when times are tough, you're going to build relationships that last a lifetime. And you don't have to go through like suicide, depression, jail, rehab in order to call it a tough time. A tough time could be a bad day at work. A tough time could be being laid off by a boss. Tough time could be a breakup with a lover. Mm -hmm. And when you find connection through those times and then you build out of it, a lot of great things happen. And, and we've been fortunate enough to, to meet people where their life looks so good on paper 
Social but media. But it felt, it felt bad. It felt yeah. bad in the heart. Yeah. And we've been able to help a lot of people come together through that, that type of trauma. You know, the, the Surgeon General of the United States reports that over 60% of the American workforce reports being lonely on a consistent basis. That's equivalent to the reduction of lifespan of smoking 15 cigarettes a day, seven years off your life. And so when you're walking down the street, realize that about people. There's a lot more people that need your help. Yeah. Everyone has a story. No stress or struggle is too small. Everyone has their own. No. And you shouldn't want to forget about those tough times. You know, all those positivity gurus, they're all trying to throw away your limiting beliefs. They're trying to erase those negative memories from your head. I call bullshit on that. See, science shows that the grateful processing of those unpleasant memories from your past is what gives you the self-confidence, the self-efficacy, the resilience needed to get through further trying times. And when you communicate those trying times with others in a small group setting, you build enduring communal resources. You build the bonds that'll be there through those next trying times. So make it part of your story, right? Look at Superman. The first scene of Superman is you learning that he has kryptonite. You share a vulnerability, then the audience can fall in love with Superman over time because they see something in him. He's not that perfect specimen. Yeah. And so when you have something troubling in your life, in your past, a skeleton in your closet, don't try to avoid it. Communicate it with others. Before we dive into connecting and the tools to connect better with others, I think that guys out there are very reluctant to connect with themselves. Guys need to be self-aware to establish their authentic confidence. Can't be confident until you're aware of you. I want to reference something a dear friend of mine, Kat Cole, talks about. Kat Cole just stepped down as president and COO of a group called Focus Brands, which owns Auntie Annie's, Jamba Juice, Carvel, She's got hundreds of thousands of employees doing billions in revenue. And she talks about something called confident humility at the same time as being humble enough to know that they don't have to have the most innovative style. They can study others and make it their own. Exactly. See, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. The history of personal style will give you an entire carte blanche of what to make your own then you got to have the confidence to go out and actually do it. Yeah. A lot of guys struggle with is feeling like they can't pull something off or I'm not that person. I can't wear mm -hmm. something like that. It goes back to gratitude. And for all our listeners, I'll likely wrap everything we talk about today back to gratitude. I'm a pretty simple dude. And my whole life is gratitude. The confidence that you're talking about when someone is thinking about their personal style, there's likely a fear of developing their own original style because the last time they developed an original style, someone berated them or poked fun at them or said, that's a dumb idea. Mm -hmm. That develops this disattachment with having an original thought. Well, what you can do if you're a dude who's watching this is you can think about that last time someone made fun of your original style and give gratitude to it. And the next time you look to have an original personal style, 
you'll remember that you can get through anything. It'll give you the confidence needed to go do that next wacky idea or that next original thing. I mean, talk about my style. It started with a fanny pack years ago. And it's funny, when I did my first TED Talk, our team ever actually found out that I'm the first person in history to give a TED Talk wearing a fanny pack. Wait, no way. Yeah. And so, and and at the same time, they were doing all these things in the New York Post about our fanny pack and Dwayne Johnson's fanny pack and everybody's starting to wear a fanny pack. And so it was becoming a thing. And so what happened was the criticism we faced about the fanny pack early on, I gave gratitude to it. And I realized I still woke up this morning. So what if the haters hate? I can withstand it. And so then it became part of my brand Mm -hmm. and it became part of my referral system. And now people know me for that. And so then it went to, I would wear these new balance geriatric. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The shoes, the new balance geriatric Velcro shoes. Yeah. I can't condone those, but you know what? I can, (laughs) I can condone that you are true to you. But when you, when you don't worry about people knowing you, and you become unapologetic about who you are, you make yourself worth knowing. And that becomes referable. That builds a brand that people can know, love, and trust because there's consistency. Yeah. And aside from a brand, I think even just on a, on a human level to be able to connect before you can even begin to connect with another person, you are already on that next step because you're able to be like, all right, this is who I am. This is Mm -hmm. my style. I am not ashamed or embarrassed and I'm confident and I am able to actually connect. I think it's so important because I think there's a lot of misconnections that people don't have because they're not really fully self-aware or not fully connected to who they are. So it's really only a surface connection if you don't Mm -hmm. really know. Totally. Do you think it's possible to actually connect with someone in a virtual manner? I mean, I know a lot of friends that are like, yeah, we had our first and second date on Zoom. Do you think it's mm-hmm. possible to have that kind of connection virtually? I do. And and we proved it. We have been fortunate enough to become one of the only companies in the entire world that can guarantee with a 99.998% accuracy, a positive emotional transformation after one of our virtual gratitude experiences. I'll tell a brief story for flavor of how we got to why I'm so bullish on virtual connection. About five years ago, in July of 2015 is right around when I realized my life was just complete bullshit. I was running a company in a different career path. I was having a good time. But in that July of 2015, I had just come back from producing a Broadway play over in Italy, in Rome, Italy. And, you know, Italy changed my life. It was then that I realized that just because my life looked good on paper didn't mean it felt good in the heart, right? We were achieving all the great things. We had all the Tonys and the Emmys and the Grammys, but none of it meant anything. And when I got back to New York City, I thought back, what was it about my time in Italy that changed my life? Was it the love? Was it the language? Was it the way they walked, the talked, respected history? No, it was the food. (laughs) And so back home in my kitchen, we started playing around with some different recipes and accidentally created a pasta sauce recipe. Yeah. Accident. 
accident, accident that we figured we should probably feed to people to see if it was good or not good. And a ritual began. And this is getting to the answer. Night after night, week after week, month after month, we use the dinner table as a way of getting people together. You bring a bottle of wine. We'd work together to create the meal. There's some pretty good pastas, some great conversations. A bunch of people would cry and they'd leave our home. Well, that ended up swelling into an entire thing. That's We've used the dinner table to spark over 500,000 relationships. And upon further reflection, we realized it wasn't the pasta sauce that was doing the heavy lifting. It's what we talked about every dinner, which again gets me back to the answer. See, at that very first dinner, we asked a simple question. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, who would that be? And we saw people around the dinner table come alive. They reached way back and they either pulled forth stories of people who helped them, who hurt them, who loved them, who hated them, who they knew, who they never knew, all these kind of things. Right. And that's been the flavor of the type of connection that we've been able to create. And then when the pandemic hit, it all evaporated, mm-hmm. right? Early 2020, the book, the tour, Times Square, clients, I remember like, everything. You hosted this dinner in Times Square. It was yeah, like your so biggest. Beginning of 2020, we were on top of the world. It was, it was a hell of a thing. And then the pandemic hit. And we said, well, we can't have the pasta sauce even though now we've commercialized the pasta sauce and it's a hit, but we can't have the pasta sauce. We can't have the dinner table. We can still have gratitude. And so we started hosting these virtual gratitude experiences in 2020. We produced 145 virtual gratitude experiences between the month of April and December serving over 7,200 people. And what we found is that we could guarantee a positive emotional transformation. From the moment they walked in, we were asking them, how do you feel? Go into a breakout room, talk about your feelings with people, come into the present. And we're bringing them back, doing some stuff, throwing them back into breakout groups and asking this gratitude question. And this gratitude question with these people in these breakout rooms, I mean, they tell the most amazing stories like they did around the dinner table. I mean, look at us right now. We are five inches away from each other. That's true. We're probably sitting closer virtually than we would in person. And so we were able to to prove that model out with 99.998% accuracy. Only 17 people have left our virtual gratitude experiences and not reported a positive emotional change. They reported words like, I feel guilty, shame, regret that they hadn't thanked people sooner, but mm-hmm. those turned into positive once they admitted it. So I think it is possible. Well, <laughs> I know it's possible. We've yeah. been doing it. Literally facts. <laughs> people can say what they want to say about not being able to connect with someone. But if you meet them through a dating app or social media wise, and really just being real, that actual genuine connection that you have Hopefully, when you're in person, you can do the same thing virtually. You can definitely do. It gives you more of an opportunity for empathy. And here's what I mean by that. Empathy is 
when you put yourself in the shoes of another person, understand their feelings and perspectives, all that kind of stuff. So empathy is derived through reading books or traveling to different countries or sitting in your assistant's armchair or listening to different stories. Never before has it been easier to hop on a Zoom call with someone from India, China, Europe, Japan, South America, and actually listen to what they're going through in the same pandemic that you're going through. There's a lot of connection in that. And you're able to do that now. And Airbnb experiences, putting on, they have these hosts from different countries that put on these experiences and you get to learn their culture through virtual. That's so cool. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's uh, <laughs> one one thousandth the price of, of actually right. going to the country. It's created so many opportunities. It's just what we do with them. I just want to go back to, you said empathy, because I think I recently learned a lot about it when you experience someone that lacks it. I think Mm -hmm. that has a lot to do with exposure to life and being able to ask those questions that are difficult and actually think about them and Mm -hmm. feel, feel it. Because when you don't, then, then there's no possible deeper connection. I mean, empathy is the opposite of being a narcissist. Being empathetic is the opposite of being self-centered. Rene Descartes ushered in what sociologists call the Cartesian age of modern society. He quoted something, he, he coined something called, I think, therefore I am. That's all about me. Yeah. A polar opposite of that, alive in... Many generations of African culture. It's called Ubuntu. Ubuntu means I am because we are. And so it's about being other focused. That's what connection is about. Connection is not let me talk and whoever listens, we're connected. No, connection is about let me listen and ask good questions and create safe space for others, for them to be the hero. You just be the guide, right? You don't be the genius. You be the genius maker. You empower them to be the best of their ability, and you'll create instantaneous and long-lasting connection. That's what's called emotional intelligence. Your ability to know people and read the room and listen intently and solve other people's problems, right? When you can solve other people's problems, that's actually leadership. It's called servant leadership. And that's the truest testament to earning potential than being the smartest person in the room with the greatest technical skills. Screw that. Great leaders, great connectors are not necessarily the smartest people in the room with the greatest technical skills. They're the people who know people the most. Quite literally, people with high emotional intelligence earn $29,000 more per year on average than people with low emotional intelligence. That makes so much sense. I didn't move to New York City with much, but I had a hunger to learn, a willingness to be humble, and I got my master's degree in humanity. And that will set me further in life than any academic whatever, whatever that you can get. It's not about, it's not about what you can read. It's about what you can observe in others and then serve. Yeah. That's how you connect. And I, I think that a lot of guys can really take that and run with it. Cause I think whether it be a fuck up here and there or 
not necessarily applying yourself during your academic years, that stuff is not as valuable as it's always made out to be yeah. and we're conditioned to believe. I want to burst the bubble on being a self-made man. I'm definitely not. But so many people are saying, yeah, I'm going to be a self-made millionaire when I mm-hmm. grow. I want to be a self-made billionaire. Yeah. Man, there is no such thing as a self-made anything. You are surrounded by people who help you. And if you're a taker, right, if you just take, take, take in life, yeah, you'll, you'll gather money. You'll gather some stuff but you'll lose out on all the important things around you. The most successful people in the world are not takers. They're givers. Oh, you can do giving wrong. Giving people might take advantage of you, but if you do giving right and you give in a way that inspires others to give more to their network, you're going to look like the leader of them all. There's a great book called give and take by an author named Adam Grant. And he profiles the most connected man in Silicon Valley, a guy by the name of Adam Rifkin. Yeah, he started some companies. Yeah, he's invested in a lot of companies, but he's just known for knowing people. Every once in a while, there'll be people that pop into Adam Rifkin's life who look at Adam with a long glance. How can a guy that giving be successful? Nah, I don't want anything to do with him. But Adam has proven over time that great givers, they may be looked at weird in the short run, but they always win in the long run. And that goes back to your conversation about personal style is God, when you, when you take that first step, getting from zero to one is oftentimes harder than getting from one to 10. If you take that first step on your personal style, it may be weird but it's going to end up good in the long run because people are going to know you. Yeah. It radiates. I say this on every episode, you put out what you want to attract. And I think if you want to make these real connections and your style has to be true to you and it has to be real. And I think that people get caught up in what other people think. And I, I get it. I get it. We live in a very, very surface world, but I think taking everything that you said is puts it in perspective for, I hope for a lot of guys. And I hope that they can take away from this, that real connections are rare and they don't have to be. It's interesting. These guys that are listening to this podcast, let me give you an insight that the Jeff Bezos will tell you that most people will tell you statistics and bullet points. They don't sell stories sell. And so when you're thinking about your personal brand, bring in stories that you can tell to others. And I'm going to loop this back to gratitude, right? When you have things that you can make part of your wardrobe that remind you of others, you get to communicate that. Stanford University calls that the strength of weak ties. Vital information is best passed through social network through a weak tie, which is the example of saying, I can tell Joey something really intimate and deep better than you can because you're too close to the subject. And I'm a little bit weaker of a tie. It's like saying in real estate, you need someone in between the buyer and the seller. That's a broker. 
that's a weak tie. The buyer can't go straight to the seller. It doesn't work well. So when you have gratitude to, let's say, a grandfather who came over from Italy and did such and such, if you could make his story part of your personal brand, you'll be able to tell stories of him and able to communicate what you stand for. Exactly. I personally am motivated by that. My grandfather came here, no money, no nothing. And he didn't even speak English, literally didn't do any of that. And now he's resting easy, but he was part of building a multi-million dollar business. And it's because he just had that tenacity and that will to do it. And yeah. he had people around him that honestly were part of it. And that's how you do it. I think that you can't really rely on credentials all the time. Yes, it's great, but it's not always going to be your saving grace. No. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for coming making the time. I know you're a busy man and obviously I miss you. We haven't seen each other in a while, literally the whole pandemic, but but glad you came on. And I hope this really gives some awareness to guys out there on connecting to themselves and connecting with others and just being real. I think being real with yourself, being real with women, being real in business. Mm -hmm. I, I always leave off. You put out what you want to attract. So feel good, look good, that confidence radiates and we feel it. And it does cause an attraction because you feel that energy is authentic. Actually, science shows that when you're in a romantic relationship for all the dudes that are listening, give gratitude to your partner on a habitual basis and it will increase their attraction to you. Gratitude is the solution. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) If you heard something here tonight and you agree with me, go out and act on it. Go out and do something with it. Stand up. Being a man looks different these days. It could be whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is an invitation. I mentioned these virtual gratitude experiences. We put them on for the biggest companies on the planet, Microsoft, Google, IBM, Dell. Those are all our clients and hundreds more. But... Once a month, we still get to host one for free for our community, our family, our friends. It's between 30 and 60 people come every month. It's just a good, good, good feeling thing. So if you you feel lonely, if you feel hungry, if you want to meet some really amazing people, reach out. We'd love to have you there as our guest. Maybe we'll get Julia to to one of these virtual gratitude experiences. We'd love to have you. Here's the thing. Sometimes the most successful, most connected, most put together people that you know are the ones that need the most help. So think about those people, send them our way, and we'll, we'll grab them with open arms. All right. Exactly. And I'll provide your social media handles and all that fun stuff in the description for this episode. And stay tuned for my next one. Thanks for coming on, Chris. 